We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. But at the end of the day, I want the students to say, you know, I graduated from that school and I remember this and I remember that, you know, and, and, and I want my teachers and my students and, you know, I feel like if they take ownership in creating this place with me, then they'll reach that 40 year mark where they'll remember us or at least something about us when they're 37. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Dominic Armano is a proud principal, educator, innovator, husband, and father. He's an expert in educational leadership, school culture, and climate. Dominic is passionate about social-emotional learning and feels that every child deserves to have fun, feel excited to learn, and is happy to go to school. I'm excited about having Dominic on this podcast today because um, just talking to him pre-chat, the idea of school culture and climate right up my alley. I love talking about stuff like that, and I'm sure he's going to have a lot to say about how to improve both and give leaders some, some hints, tips, and tricks to better support, engage, and empower teachers. So, Dominic, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much, Chris. Like I said, it's really an honor to be here. Uh, I just want to say, you know, I'm a fan of of you and your work. I listen to the podcast often and just, again, really excited to be here with you. Like I said, this is, uh, it's just an honor. So thank you. Awesome. Hey, I'm, I'm the one honored. I'm excited whenever I get to talk to somebody because I find out that I learn from talking to people. So let's start here. You had some news that, you know, you're relatively a recent uh, relatively recently, boy, I kind of messed that up a little bit, huh? <laughs> as soon as I get my English going, you're a relatively new principal. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that and, and how you came to that? And I, I was also going to slip in the nickname, go big or go home. And you could also tell us a little bit about that too, if you would. Sure, absolutely. So uh, yes, I was appointed or I kind of took the, the lead at the school I'm currently in on September 1st. And, you know, it, it was unique. It's been a unique last couple of years for me, as it's been for everyone right now during the COVID uh, pandemic. But uh, coming off of 2020, the lockdown year, heading into the school year, uh, I had the unique opportunity to run the building as an assistant principal. My principal at the time was uh, working from home, and I had the ability to run the day-to-day operations of the school as an assistant principal. And with that, it became definitely one of the highlights of my career. 
Uh, and I say that especially kind of dealing with what we were dealing with. A lot of people were dealing with a lot of ups and downs, school closing every other day, positive cases, contact tracing. But for me, it was the training wheels year, right? So I've always wanted to be a principal. It was a goal of mine. Even when I was going to school to get my elementary education degree, shout out to Dowling College on Long Island. Um, you know, I remember my first elementary education class, the professor went around and she asked the students in the class why they wanted to go into education and be a teacher. And I was, you know, too cool for school. I was sitting in the back, you know, last seat, last row. She came over to me and said, all right. And, you know, what's your name? I said, Dominic. And she goes, you know, why do you want to be a teacher? I said, to be a principal. And she kind of looked at me with like these eyes like, what? Um, so, you know, being a principal was always kind of a goal for me. So, you know, that year where I was by myself in the building was definitely the training wheels year. And it was great because I had a really supportive principal. And, you know, anything I did, you know, anytime I did something in the building, I would kind of reference back to him and he would say, yeah, no, let's roll with it. Let's see what happens. So with that being said, kind of head into last summer and, um, you know, my principal decided, you know, after 30 something years, you know, that it was time for him to move on to the next chapter of his life. Uh, and I got the phone call from my superintendent, uh, asked me if I would wanted to uh, step in to be, you know, first interim acting in the position. And I remember saying to him, well, there's only one problem. And he said, what's the problem? I said, my wife is very, very pregnant. She is, you know, eight months pregnant at the time. And her due date was uh, September 9th, which happened to be like the first day the teachers report back to school. And he looked at me or over the phone. So he said to me, you know, Dominic, he goes, that's not a problem. That's a blessing. So I guess long story short, my son was born on September 10th. I brought my wife and my son home from the hospital on a Sunday and went to work on Monday, which was the first day of school. And I've just been riding both waves ever since. Uh, but it's been really good. I'm, I'm really happy and I'm having a lot of fun doing both and understanding work-life balance and being the leader of my school and, and being at home to support you know my family. My daughter, she's four. My son is five months. And let me tell you something. My, my wife is, is a rock star. Let's put it that way. So... That's awesome. Shout out to your wife. <laughs> yeah, huge shout out. <laughs> huge shout out. <laughs> I, I love the response. That's not a problem. That's a blessing. I mean, that, that shows a really good piece of leadership there Why we're highlighting leadership. One of the things I'm wondering is, so you were an AP for quite a few years. And this your, your attitude about, you know, helping out teachers and creating a good culture, that's not something that happens overnight. So as a new principal, have you noticed a difference in your ability to support, engage, or empower teachers between the role of AP and principal? Yeah, so definitely 100%. So some, you know, I, I had the, and I guess it's unique to some, but, you know, kind of common in other areas, but I stepped into the principal position in the school that I was an AP in. And then prior to that, I was actually a teacher there. So I started my career there. I was teaching at the time, fourth grade, fifth grade. I actually taught a little bit of middle school because when I was hired there, the building was a pre-K through grade eight school. You know, it's not easy to jump from the assistant principal role to the principal role. Some think it's an easy jump, but the reality is it's kind of like a leap over the Grand Canyon. And when, you know, when I landed on the other side and, and kind of landed on two feet, although I'm not going to say I did, because at first it definitely was a whirlwind. So maybe like one foot and then one foot kind of slipped and I grabbed onto a rock and pulled myself back up, which, I is, what I, which is what I continue to do every day. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that I realized is... um you know, as the leader, as the person, the principal, you know, the one where, you know, they say like the buck stops with you or in my head's on a chopping block, so to speak. As the leader, what you say and what you do means 150 times more than what you did as an assistant principal. 
So in terms of engaging and empowering and supporting teachers, I feel like I really am in the driver's seat with that because as the assistant principal, I was able to support teachers and I was able to do what I need to do. But, you know, at the end of the day, I wasn't the instructional leader of the building. I wasn't the person, you know, that had the ability to make the the real changes. You know, I could, I helped, I coached. And like I said, the principal at the time was amazing and I have no disrespect for him and was very supportive and kind of let me go. You know, I, I, I am kind of like a puppy without a leash. And that's, that's what I do. I, I run around all day. So I did have the ability to do that. But in, in this position, in this role as principal, I feel like I'm just able to make more of a difference because, you know, maybe the leash is cut off a little bit, so to speak, you know, and, and, and I could be that puppy that jumps around or like kind of really be there to support, you know, push into the classrooms and, and do what I need to do. You know, I don't have, I make my own schedule, you know, whereas an AP, maybe you're told to go to this meeting, you have to go here, you have to go there you know, building response team, all of these other things that kind of fall under the role of the assistant principal. But as the principal, you kind of can, the job takes you where you need to go. So if there's a teacher that you see that you need more support in one area, you could go there, you could do that without having, you know, and again, I'm not saying that there's any less responsibilities. I'm just saying that there's kind of more you can do. The The, the job stretches farther, if that makes sense. And And you are a principal. So maybe you kind of understand what I'm saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. The idea of making up your schedule and being where you need to be, that's an important piece that a principal has to recognize who needs what, right? And that only comes from interacting with your teachers and, you know, and depending on the size of the school that you're at, for anybody listening to this, sometimes that's a little more difficult than other times. So, it takes a certain culture in the building, right? Mm-hmm. For a principal to be aware of what teachers need, what, when they need it, and and quite possibly how, because they have to be vocal as well. So I know you deal a lot with culture and the idea of what school culture should be and how to get there. So talk to me a little bit about how you build that culture where teachers feel comfortable to take risks. They're engaged in what's going on, things like that. Okay, well, first off, so I guess... I'm going to give you a little background story about, you know, why I feel confident and comfortable in in school culture and climate, right? So my philosophy is students and staff need to want to come to school, right? School, going to school every day shouldn't be like this task, like, you know, that, oh, I don't want to go to school today. Oh, I don't want to go to school today. And when I say that, I mean, you know, not only the kids, but the teachers too. You know, that, that, that old saying where if you do what you're passionate about, you never work a day in your life. So that, that's, kind of what I'm trying to create at the school. That's, that's what I want in my building. That's what I want my students to feel. That's what I want my teachers to feel. Um, and you have to develop as a leader, you need to develop this, this love of, of learning and teaching in order for kids to be successful. So with that, I like to say, you know, I lead with swag, right? So if you go on my social media, you'll see the hashtag leading with swag. Um, and you know, there's like two, two opposites or two spectrums here. So there's leading with swag and there's learning with swag. And my philosophy as a leader is that when you lead with swag, you set the tone, you work together as a team, you acknowledge everyone and you go above and beyond for your community. And I feel like if you hit those principles and you really, you know, are those principles, your teachers will see that. And in turn, they'll do the same. They'll go above and beyond. They'll feel comfortable coming to work. You know, we have a philosophy in my building where family comes first, where, you know, you, if you need something, you let me know. Um, it's not a I got you game, but a got you game. And not an I got, not a got you game, but an I got you. As no, in like, I, I, got, I, I got your back, right? Um, and that's what they, that's what they know. That's who I am, you know, and I, 
I just believe in that. I believe that by creating an environment that's welcoming, that's like a community, a place that you want to call your second home, because the reality is we're at work sometimes more than we are at home. They will be happy to come. No one wants to get up in the morning with a pit of their stomach and come to work. At the end of the day, we're dealing with kids. We're dealing with a whole bunch of different scenarios. It's a people job, right? That's the business that we're in. And we need to have fun. You know, you have to have a sense of humor. You have to give teachers the latitude to try new things. Um, and with that, the learning comes. It just happens. So talk to me. I, I Okay, first of all, I love the hashtag leading and or learning with swag. And it, it, started, it started to sound like swag was an acronym. I didn't catch the G. I caught the SWA. So the, so the G is going above and beyond. Going above and beyond. Okay. So I'll definitely put that in the show notes. I, I absolutely love that. And I'm going to start looking for that out there and, and help you circulate it around because I love that idea. That's awesome. Thank you. And um, so what I'm wondering is you're, you're a new principal, right? In a new building. You don't have to be a brand new principal forever, but even if you just move to a different building, you go into a building and you have that culture that's there that exists, right? So what are some steps you take as a leader to get the teachers on board with that, to show them that, or to, to get that leading and learning with swag going on? You know, so the first thing you have to do is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very honest and open. And that was one of the things that I explained to my staff, right? And I told them, you know, e- even with me, I said to them, you remember me as the assistant principal, but now I need to introduce you to Dominic, the principal. And Dominic, the principal is going to be someone that's very open and honest. I'm going to throw everything out on the table, right? So we're going to have an open conversation. Sometimes the conversation is not going to be a pleasant one. And that's okay. Because I think, you know, you've said this before, and I agree with you in that the only way to truly test yourself is to be uncomfortable in situations. Um, And sometimes the conversation is going to be very pleasant. So, you know, when you basically what I did was I kind of went through each of the principles of SWAG, right? So the first one is setting the tone. And I think that's important when you step into the role. You know, we always, if you look at it like this, every school year, principals and assistant principals have those days where you do professional development with the teacher and you set the tone for the year, right? For me, I had to set the tone for my new role and who I am as a principal. And I think the teachers appreciate that and the staff appreciates that because in that setting the tone, they realize what this is going to be. They realize who I am. They realize what they need to do. They realize what we need to do for the students. And as long as we keep that philosophy in mind, like what do we need to do for our students will be okay. The next piece of the puzzle is working together as a team and really establishing that, right? So a lot of people can say that they work together as a team, but what does that really mean? So for me, I reference this old county championship game. I played baseball in high school and, you know, we were at this county championship game and, you know, one of those situations where it's bottom of the nine, bottom nine, two outs down by one, you know, on the mound, throw the ball. And then all of a sudden we lost, right? You know, you know, if you tell the story, a lot of people, you know, it thinks like it's like a high school movie or something where like they won the game. No, no, we lost. And I was devastated and I fell to my knees and I was like practically crying, a 17, 18 year old crying on the field. But then what I saw happened after that is my team flooded to me, patting me on the back, telling me it's it's okay. And that was because of my coach and his philosophy, which is if we win together, we win together, we lose together, we lose together. See, I didn't realize this at 17, but he really built a team philosophy. And so I reference that and do that in my school where I tell my teachers, you know, 
If you're having an issue with the student in class, I'm having an issue with the student in class. If you're having an issue with the curriculum, I'm having an issue with the curriculum. If the grade is having an issue with some type of assessment, then the whole school is having an issue with some type of assessment. Like, you know, these standardized tests are coming up in a couple of weeks. It's not the third, fourth and fifth grade test. It's the entire school's test because that's who we are. You know, we rise together. We sink together. That's who we are. And like I said, I've got their back. So that's the second aspect of it is really fostering that working together as a team. You know, the other piece of the puzzle is acknowledging everyone, right? So at the end of the day, everyone in the building contributes to the success of a child. The person who's cooking in the kitchen, the custodian, the secretary, the school aides. It's not just teachers, principals, assistant principals. It's everyone. It's everyone that steps foot in that building is doing something to support and promote and teach the child, right? The, look at it like this. At the end of the day, if the custodian doesn't go around and clean the building, then the next day, the children aren't entering a clean place to learn and work. So we shouldn't be passing over these people. We should be acknowledging them. And that's part of the team is bringing them on board and making them part of the team that when you're on the team, it doesn't matter your role. We're all together. We're all working together to support the kids. And finally, that going above and beyond for the community, which, you know, I don't, I don't live by a clock. You know, I'm not the person that says I have to be there at seven and I have to leave by four. But I think part of going above and beyond for the community is also taking care of yourself, right? So at the end of the day, you know, there may be certain days where I have to leave by four, or there may be other things that are happening that, you know, a staff member wants to leave early because their own child is doing something at their school that they want to be a part of, Right. And that's, you know, giving them the ability to do that so that they don't miss those things. In turn, they'll then go above and beyond for your community, which is really kind of, again, also circles back into working together as a team, because we're all going to have that moment where we need to be there for someone else to do something else. And that's okay. That's who we are. And that's kind of my philosophy. So that, that's kind of what I did. And I hope it answered your question in terms of stepping in and, you know, kind of redefining who I am as a principal. Answered my question. That was like a mini lesson on, <laughs> on swag and building culture for, for your school. I absolutely love that. As you were talking about it, one thing kept coming to mind or, or a series of words, authentic community building. I mean, it's just so authentic where you come in and you talk to them. It's so important to set the tone and give people those expectations. But then not just, hey, look, anybody can come spit out expectations, right? But you don't just do that. You give the expectations and then you live them. Yes. And and you follow through with them. So it, it becomes so powerful of a of a mantra. And it it's, you know, it's got everything else that's cool about it. It's we all know swag as being something different and it's got that catchy phrase to it. But uh that's that's fantastic. And, and what a game plan. And I'm sure your school reacted well to that. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the swag philosophy started a few years ago with the kids, right? So it was, as I termed it, learning with swag. And part of that came with when we were, you know, not to get too specific on certain things, but my school was, we needed to rebrand, right? For several different reasons, you know, loss of enrollment, you know, parents have a lot of choice. So we needed to like rebrand. And part of that, you know, I was as the assistant principal, I kind of took the charge and kind of took lead in this rebranding efforts and this, you know, branding committee and this public relations committee, you know, prior to that, the school, um, the culture was one where 
teachers, administrators, they were afraid to go on social media, right? So I view social media as like one of our biggest assets, right? You know, how else are we going to communicate with our parents? Then, you know, parents, people, community members, they love instant communication. They love that they're searching through their Twitter feed. And then all of a sudden they see the school and they're like, oh, wow, check that out. Look what they did. So part of that was part of my, I guess, rebranding effort when we kind of developed this, you know, learning with swag was looking at everything we do, right? And looking at everything we do good and now just changing it and making it marketable and putting it out there, right? So we did wonderful things. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, we had partnerships with Lincoln Center. We had partnerships with Carnegie Hall. We had, you know, Microsoft coming into the school. We were doing various things, but we weren't really talking about it. We had a huge social emotional learning push years ago where we adopted a new curriculum and we created our own curriculum and we really weren't telling anyone about it. So when I looked at, at learning with swag or when I looked at everything we were doing in the building, I created a formula for our success. And when I say I, I say we, because it was a committee of people. We created a formula for the success. And the formula was S plus W plus A equals G. So it was social emotional learning plus whole child education plus academic achievement equals guaranteeing student success. And what we did was we kind of put everything we were doing in each category. So we listed everything we were doing under social emotional learning, everything we were doing under whole child education, everything we were doing under academic piece, and then everything we were doing on the partnership side with the families because that ultimately guarantees the success. Hence, that's where Learning with Swag was born. That's that's awesome. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. You know, the the whole idea is you mentioned being messaging out for your school and being purposeful about your about your messaging so people understand what you're doing. But there's so much more to that, right? There's another reason that people get worried about social media is because you start to throw things up there in social media and you do have to weather the trolls. There are people that are negative. Yep. But what I found is if you continually put positive things up there about your school, your community starts to hush those trolls when the trolls come on. And you don't even have to say a word. Um, You don't have to refute it or anything like that. So it gets easier with time, but that first step is hard. But it sounds like one of the things that really set you up for success for that was the idea that you got really clear on what that message was. By picking those things that S plus W plus A equals G, you got really clear on what you were doing and what needed to be messaged. And so I think that's a really important piece. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think one of the things too, that, that I find it easy for our teachers, for our community is, you know, a lot of what we do on social media is authentic. And I think the reason why it's authentic is because it's in those categories, right? So like, if I'm going to post something, if I'm going to post something great, we're doing social emotional learning, it ties into one of the categories that we've already defined. So, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, there's always (laughs) those people where, you know, where you're scrolling through Facebook and all of a sudden you see the you know, the person you graduated high school with standing next to a Maserati in front of a, you know, a, a mansion. And I mean, really, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Like, right? Stop it. but, but yeah, <laughs> but I think, I think, you know, being authentic and, and, you know, really clearly defining who we are as a school and then sticking to those, to those definitions really kind of helps and, and really drives, you know, our ability to communicate with our community. But the other thing too, is that I also think just because we've defined that, just because we've defined what the S, the W, the A and the G is, doesn't necessarily mean that's always what it's going to be, right? So even even right now, like when it you know when you look at leading with swag, right? So when I when I lead with swag, I s set the tone. But as I develop in this position, 
And as I kind of tend to land on the other side of the Grand Canyon with both feet, as opposed to one dangling off the ledge, I realized that the S could also mean being a servant for your community, right? And serving the people that you work for. So it's about also being able to look at how you define yourself and change over time if you need to. And that's okay because we're always going to change in life. You know, where, you know, nothing is defined. Like I could probably never play baseball like I did during that county championship game ever again. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. Um, I'm okay if I could just walk for a mile, you know, let's put it that <laughs> way. Right. So, so it, it's okay to change. And that's, you know, that's, that's also part of, of the big picture, I think at least. Awesome. I, and I want to dig into that a little more, the idea of, you know, what swag can do for a school and how that changes a, a, across time and how a school can come to that. But the first thing, that's going to be a larger conversation. The first thing I want to do is hear from our sponsors real quick, and we'll come back and dig into that a little. Today's podcast is sponsored by Better Leaders, Better Schools, the podcast that inspired me to start this one. Since 2015, the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast has released hundreds of episodes with millions of downloads. Subscribe and listen each week to great conversations on the topic of school leadership. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Okay, and we're back with Dominic and um, boy, he is really fulfilling that promise of talking about culture and how to things get things moving in a school. You know, this Dominic, this hashtag idea of leading with swag and learning with swag and and how that changes from time to time and how it helped you structure how people get on social media. It becomes a powerful thing that'll move your vision forward for what, what school is and what your school is. It just really makes me think and wonder, according to your vision, according to what you'd love to see, what should schools look like for students and teachers? So I, I really love this question because... I feel like this question has always been in the forefront of my mind ever since I started, you know, going to classes to be a teacher. And I have to give a little sh- a shout out to my cooperating teacher. So I, you know, I was a student teacher and I was student teaching in a second grade classroom. And I was lucky enough to start early. I think it was like September, you know, first day of school, I was there. And one of the things my cooperating teacher did, which... I always did as a classroom teacher was, you know, when you see those kids first couple of days of school, especially in the elementaries, you know, setting routines, going over, this is the library. This is how you take books out of the library. This is going to be your reading chart and so on and so forth. One of the things that that cooperating teacher did was he created the rules and I, and I hate using the word rules, honestly, but he had the he had the kids create like the classroom rules and, and and it was kind of like a classroom constitution that he called it and he referenced you know previous years constitution and then had the kids kind of create their own and they kind of created their own expectations for what they felt their classroom should look like and i thought that was really cool because when i was growing up 
it was like a generic like school rules chart that the teacher bought from the school store. And like, you know, she read it, you know, on like the first day and you're like, all right. And every year kind of was the same thing. You know, I can't chew gum, right? <laughs> Don't talk when the teacher's talking, raise your hand. You know, all those things that I got in trouble before, uh, you know, so, so I thought it was cool because he, he like elicited it from, from the kids. And I thought that was cool. So when I started teaching, I, I did the same thing. And one of the things I realized is by doing that, we created, it wasn't my classroom. It wasn't Mr. Armano's classroom. It was our classroom. And so now you take that, right? So now, you know, being a principal is really just, you're still a teacher. You're just a teacher on a bigger scale, right? You're always a teacher first. I'm always an educator. So that's what I want to do as a school is I want to be able to create an environment where it's not my school, but it's our school. So when, you know, when you ask me what, you know, what this looks like or what my vision is, you know, I envision a place where everyone has a, has an interest in the community. Everyone has it's it's collectively this is who we are you know as a school and this is what we're going to do and you know one of the things that always and I, and I say this all the time is I like to tell I, I tell a lot of stories like a, a lot of my I don't know if you've the, the listeners will probably kind of be like oh this guy's got another story but I, I relate a lot of my practices to to things that have happened in my life stories are good stories are good <laughs> but you know I remember being in in class again and, and again shout out to Dowling College and. The reason why I give them two shout outs is because I've learned a lot from Dowling College. Unfortunately, they closed several years ago, which was a shame. But but I, I who I am today, the friends I've made, you know, the, the the classes I took, I really do owe a lot to, to that community. But I had a professor that talked about, you know, the 40, 40 and 40. Right. So there are lessons you learn for 40 minutes. There are lessons you learn for 40 days and there are lessons you, you learn for 40 years. And the 40 minute lesson is that rote kind of. Here are the spelling words. Remember the spelling words. You come in on a Friday, you take the spelling test, you get a sticker, you go home. And then the next day, at least with me, I forgot how to spell the word. And I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a good speller. So I guess I'm still, you know, that never, that wasn't a 40 year lesson. You know, the 40 day lesson is that lesson, like a unit of study. You know, maybe you're doing a unit of study on Eric Carle or an author study or something like that, where it lasts 40 days and there's a culminating activity where you invite the parents to come in because you wrote your own books or something like that. But then there are those lessons that last for 40 years, right? The lessons where I remember today, you know, when I was in first grade, we did a unit of study on Ellis Island and we put on a play and I was a little Italian immigrant and my mom was an educator in the school. And I remember I got to dance the Tarantella with her during the play, you know, and that's, and that's something that I remember for the rest of my life. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 37 years old and I still remember that play. And I still remember the outfit that I wore. And I remember my, my dad, you know, was able to, you know, leave work early that day and be there to watch the play. And that, that, that's what was important to me, you know, um, or, you know, just the, I still remember the kids that were in that class, you know, I could probably name some of them, you know, and, and where they came from. But so that, that's the kind of school I'm trying to create is like those, that, that 40 year school. Right. And I'm not saying, believe me, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not asking my teachers to create these 40 year lessons. I'm not asking them to do Ellis Island plays every time they teach. But at the end of the day, I want the students to say, you know, I graduated from that school and I remember this and I remember that, you know, and, and, and I want my teachers and my students. And, you know, I feel like if they take ownership in creating this place with me, then they'll reach that 40 year mark where they'll remember us or at least something about us when they're 37 years old as a principal sitting on a podcast with you. You know, they, they, they'll remember that, you know, that, so that that's kind of what I'm trying to create. I don't, I, I mean, first off, I don't know if I'm still going to be doing this 40 years from now, but <laughs> um, out of all seriousness, though, you know, you talk about that and the 40 year, the 40 year idea, 
And you you say that you're not looking for your teachers to to create these lessons that are going to be 40 year memories and things like that. But in a way, you are, because if you're creating the culture in your school where teachers act accordingly, students act accordingly, and they learn these certain things that they carry with them through life, the idea of what, you know, what's courteous behavior, what's empathetic behavior, you know, what's what's being authentic and being who you are. Those are the 40 year lessons. And I would argue that in your culture that you're building in your school, that's what the kids are learning. And when they look back and say, you know, if they ever do that deep reflection, where did I learn to be empathetic? They'll they'll think about their school days. They'll think about, you know, where Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so always told us that this is the way we act and this is what we do. So I have to say one thing, Chris, I think you've mastered the S in leading with swag because you just tied all of that back into social emotional learning. So <laughs> do I get a sticker? Yeah, we'll give you a sticker. Yeah, awesome. Elementary school, I'll give you a sticker. I love no stickers. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say elementary school. I had a teacher, not at this school, at my last school. I remember the first time I ever went into her classroom, it's high school, right? She's giving stickers out and she would do a review in her classroom and the kids had to have their special notebook with them <laughs> that had other things in it that they the only way they could get they could get the sticker that they had won by doing the review thing was if they had their special notebook because it had to go in their special notebook. These kids, I am not kidding you, would throw elbows to get their special notebook when it was done. I'm like, these are these are 16 year olds, right? <laughs> you know hey, hang on, hang on, Chris. I, I know this is just audio, but here's my special notebook. With various oh, stickers you on do the front. Have, you do have stickers. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Dominic just held up a notebook with stickers all over the front of it. That's awesome. Hey, the excitement of stickers never go away, right? It's something... Never. That's, you know, that's like the whole idea of micro-credentials and the badges, the electronic badges. Even mm-hmm. as adults, how many of those electronic badges do we love to tack <laughs> onto our email? Because they're stickers. But that's awesome. It, look... I know we're we're laughing and, and joking around, but boy, what what a philosophy, the idea of that 40, 40, 40 to, again, really help you focus in on what you're doing and how important it is. It even helps you prioritize what you want to do because, you know, what's more important, the 40 minutes, that 40 minute lesson, and there are 40 minute lessons that are very important, but that 40 minute lesson or that 40 year lesson. So when you're in that moment dealing with that student, I mean, think about discipline or like you were saying, anything having to do with social, emotional, what's more important, the outcome right there at that moment and that kid may be following that school rule or that maybe that piece of discipline you hand out for that bad behavior or the 40 year lesson you have the ability to teach by maybe handling that situation differently. That's just such a powerful thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, like we are, and this is what I say to my, my, my staff, my community, I say this all the time listen, kids are going to come to school. They're going to learn, right? I mean, it's just, that's the way it is. It's been like that forever. You know, I look at me, like I, you learn, you, you sit in a classroom, you, you learn. I mean, I became the principal and, you know, some, some say the reason why I became the principal, because I spent a lot of time in the principal's office as a, yeah. as a young, but that, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole that's nother like show. A, it's a whole nother show, yeah. but, but it's, it's creating people to kind of continue on in the community we live in right? In, in society. And that's where the empathy comes in and, and, you know, giving back to the community and doing all of that. And, and those are the things, like you said, and I'm really, that's one of the things I guess I've always talked about is, you know, how do we create people that are going to sustain the society that we live in? And that's where, like you said, those 40 year lessons kind of come into play. Fantastic. Well, we're getting near the end. And so I've got two questions to ask you. 
that I ask every guest and you listen to the podcast, so you know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were not an educator, who, not what would you be? So I did a lot of thinking about this <laughs> and, and um, because I, I say this all the time. So anyone that's listening knows I say this all the time, but I'm going to go with Joe from the coffee shop. <laughs> Fair okay? enough. Because when I go to the coffee shop and, and, you know, being a new dad, I like coffee. Let's, <laughs> let's say it's more, it's more than just like, it's a, it's a need, right? <laughs> so when I go to the coffee shop, there's a couple of things that I notice, and, and I've always been someone that takes note of my surroundings. So I, I walk into the coffee shop, there is always someone reading a newspaper, right? And, and right now, maybe think about the local Starbucks or anything that you go into, right? There's always someone reading a newspaper. There's always like teenagers that are on cell phones, you know, tweeting or, or texting about something. You know, you always have the, the person in line that, you know, hey, you want the regular? Yeah, yeah, give me the regular, you know. And then, and then there's Joe, you know, the, the barista and who likes to be called barista, by the way, right? And, and rightfully so, that's, he's, that's, his, that's his job. That's what he does. And he does a really good job at it. Um, but he knows you, right? He knows, he knows about my kids. He knows about my job. He knows about, you know, he, he knows my kids' names. He knows how old they're turning. And you, we have that conversation. And I am a regular, so I am the guy that comes in and say, you want the, yes, I want the regular. But that, that's kind of who I'd want to be because that's kind of the environment I'm trying to create, right? So even though I don't necessarily have the fancy espresso machine that Joe has and can make the lattes and put like the leaves on the top or anything like that, but I'm trying to create an environment where it is a community place where, you know, you, someone comes in, a teacher, a staff member comes in and I ask about their son and I know that their son or daughter is going to college and I know they were looking at colleges this weekend. How did that go? You know, or, you know, I know the graduation is coming up or the little league game or something like that. And, and, you know, maybe know their coffee order, because I've also learned that if you get teachers and staff members some coffee every once in a while. That also goes a long way. So maybe even know their coffee order. But so that's, you know, I put a lot of thought into that. And, and it was a tie though. It was a tie between Joe at the coffee shop and Glenn at the dry cleaner. Because both of them have really great community establishments. And let me tell you, when I have to go pick up my dry cleaning, I, I have to strategically do it in a way where my son is napping because I will spend a lot of time talking to Glenn. So it, it was a toss up, but I decided to go with coffee because of, you know, like I said, I, I love coffee. That's, that's a great answer. I, you know, one of the things I love about that question is everybody answers it differently and takes it differently. And I love that you named two people that are like key components <laughs> of your life right now. That's awesome. So the next one's for all the listeners. What's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to improve how they support, engage, and empower their teachers? So I would say it's okay, right? So I would say it's okay not to know all the answers. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be empathetic. It's okay to be sympathetic. It's okay to be vulnerable. And it's okay to learn together. And I think, you know, when I was in school and when I was a new teacher, I felt like the principal needed to know all the answers. And I felt like I couldn't go to the principal if I was having an issue, right? They always said, you know, like the seasoned teachers would tell the newer teachers, don't go to the principal if you're having a discipline issue in the class, like just deal with it, right? Because then it shows that you 
know what you're doing or that, you know, you're, you'll be fine as a new teacher. But I think in trying to rewrite the script, I think it, it's okay as the leader to let your staff know that you don't know all the answers so that if they come to you with something and you don't know, we'll find out together. And when they come to you and they're having a bad day, it's okay to be sympathetic and it's okay to be vulnerable with them because, you know, as educational leaders, whether you're a principal and assistant principal, we're going to have bad days too. Um, and that's okay. So I, I would think that's, that's the advice I would give. And, and I think ultimately, you know, in supporting, empowering and engaging, I think when they see you as a human and they see you having the same struggles that they have on the day to day, that ultimately all of that kind of rolls into one. And again, this is a tough job. Like this is not easy. And, and, you know, even Louis, my custodian will say it's a tough job, especially now with, with COVID and disinfecting. I mean, you know, so we're all doing this together, but you know, it, it's okay for all of us to take a minute and, and just say, well, you know, we're, we're all kind of suffering, but getting through it together. Awesome. I love the idea that it's just so simple, but so, so meaningful. The idea of it's okay for everything. It's all right. Cause there's so many things that come through your mind where you're like, Oh my God, this isn't okay. It's all okay. And, and I will say this, you know, my, when my teachers do come to me, I, the first thing I do say is it's okay. <laughs> I, I, I actually say that. I say Perfect. that a lot. It's okay. And then we kind of try to figure it out. Perfect. So. Well, you are definitely authentic. That's for sure. Between Joe at the coffee shop and it's okay. Cause that's how you open up every conversation. That's fantastic. Hey, um, you know, Dominic, I've had a great time talking with you today. I've I, personally, I've learned so much. And I'm, I'm sure people have. What's the best way to get in touch with you so people can reach out, follow, do whatever? Yeah, so I'm, I'm really active on Twitter. Um, so the, uh, the username is at um, Dominic Armano. So D-O-M-I-N-I-C-A-R-M-A-N-O. Uh, and I also have a, an Instagram page that I'm also pretty active with, which is the same handle. So at Dominic Armano. And um, they could also shoot me an email. Uh, and that's uh, principalarmano at gmail.com. Awesome. All right. Well, like I said, you know, this has been great. I could talk to you for another two hours, but I don't think I'd, I'd have many listeners <laughs> but, uh, for two hours long. But uh, hey, um, really, I've, I've learned a lot. I, I loved hearing what you had to say about culture and how you make that happen in school. So really, I appreciate you coming on. Well, I just, like I said, Chris, this is, this is an honor for me. Like I said, I'm, I'm a fan. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like you know, not not to give you too much of a big head, but I feel like I'm sitting with one of the Beatles. Let's put it that oh, way. You know? so, <laughs> please, please. <laughs> I, I've coined the term, you know, I, following all of you guys, I've coined the term edu-famous. So I feel like you are one of those edu-famous people. Oh, so it really geez. is... It really is an honor to sit with you. So I do appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I was I was told once by my mentor, um, just say thank you and walk away when somebody compliments you. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, Email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with
with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.